I can't believe it's a dream, and I can't believe it's not. <sighs> this week on Cinema de Fromage, let's scare Jessica to death. We don't have a ticket. <laughs> I'm calling on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died. In Jessica. I'm calling on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died in this house. Jessica. Paramount Pictures presents Let's Scare Jessica to Death. What's the matter with her? She knows who killed that man. What man? I don't know. He was lying right here. But I swear it's true. No! I think that the same creature or, or whatever it is that killed the antique dealer killed them all. I think you should go back to New York for a while. You can see your doctor. <laughs> I was just uh, looking at the picture. Looks so much like you. My eyes, look at my eyes. Come with me. Come. Come with me. Follow me, Jessica. Follow me. I won't go away. I'll go away. the movie for tonight let's scare jessica to death. welcome to cinema de fromage i'm your host king penguin and with us our motley crew here we've got kente how are you doing today awesome oh, what was that sorry awesome awesome okay sorry i had my earphones down because it seemed a little loud awesome okay and joshua how are you doing today i am doing fabulous how are you okay um, I'm recovering. I just finished watching this movie just before we started. So, oh, it's fresh. I'm uh, yeah, fresh is an interesting word to use, but sure. 
And of course, uh, also, because I'm leaving last for the best, Jen, how are you today? Hello? Oh, I hear nothing. Jen, did we scare Jen to death? Let's scare Jen to death. Great, thanks. Hot. Oh, there you super, are. Super, oh. super hot. Well, seeing as this me? is your pick, yes, we can now. And seeing as this is your pick, you scared for this, me to death. You, yes. You hear, am I you here? Hear are you here? Is this a dream? Oh my goodness. <laughs> seeing as this is your movie, why don't you tell everyone about this uh, flick called? I can. Hear you. I'm going to leave and come right back. Right. Well, All right. It goes with the theme, definitely. Okay, it was anybody as uh does anybody like this film just before she gets oh, back? Oh my god, it's like it's it's the best movie ever. I mean Citizen Kane had nothing on this one. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not the only one being a jerk. <laughs> no, you're not being a jerk. You're Because uh, right now I, I, I as I said jokingly and I didn't realize it was actually a being profit being a profit. This should be called Let's Scare uh, Let's Bore King Penguin to Death. Yes. Because this was a little on the dull side. But uh, it, I'm not going to be totally mean because it's not the worst film I've seen so far on this this show. Yeah. Um, it is not. It's so I'm not going to pour, pour hatred onto this film. So, oh, oh, is she coming in? Yes, I, there she comes. Okay, good. Don't want to break the flow or anything. So, yeah. <laughs> Jen, are you there? Come in, Jen. From beyond, this seance calls Jen in to join us. I think I'm here now. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're a little bit wobbly, but you're there. So, Jen, tell us about Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, The description in front of me. So if somebody else could be so kind as to... It's in the chat. Appreciate it. It's in the chat. You can. You don't have to go by. You can go by your own description of the plot. You don't have to go by the official description. This is your pick, so I'm assuming you know this. Well, film. that's kind of a longer story, but uh, I kind of know it, just a little, just okay. a little. Okay. Um, but what, so what, somebody, sorry, I'm actually on my phone. You want oh. me to read it? I'll read it. Okay, go, go ahead, Josh. <clears throat> yeah, Josh. Newly released from a mental ward, Jessica hopes to return to life the way it was before her nervous breakdown. But when Jessica moves to a country house with her husband and a close friend, she finds a mysterious girl living there who may or may not be a vampire. Jessica's terror and paranoia resurface as evil forces surround her, making her wonder, are the visions real or is she slipping back into madness? There you go. Awesome, man. Can I can I just say two things, Joshua? In uh, season four, you will be able to torture us with your own movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pre nineteen ninety. That's uh, true. So you got that to look forward to. Um, and then also, uh, I I noticed something about uh, Jen's choices in movies. They all revolve around cars, and two of them were hers. The other one kind of looked somewhat like a hearse the, 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 in the car. But I I think we you're you have like the hearse fetish. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. But we can tie this into her other film, too, that she picked for last year because there was a hearse in that and a creepy old house. 
and Victorian clothing. That's what I'm and, saying. Yeah. And nothing much happening. <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah it wouldn't, this wouldn't be called a happening. It'd be the not happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, by, and, and by the way, a good friend of mine came by yesterday and my mother who's in town she's about to leave next week and we all watched this together and they're not talking to me anymore <laughs> <laughs> my mother was quite pissed she actually liked the car she did watch the car uh, okay but she was quite she was like she was not having it this one but she's not on the show so <laughs> oh we're definitely having. Uh, I, I think you problems. gotta. You gotta. You gotta stop. Watch my. <laughs> Get a bad impression of you. <laughs> You're breaking up bad. You're breaking bad. <laughs> you better yeah. find a better sales. Uh, and I think there's a. Uh, it must be a huge delay because I noticed that she's like way off. Yeah. Okay, can you hear me now? All right, so let, let's get into oh, this. No. And hopefully she'll be okay, I'm leave, why don't leave we start with back. first impressions of the film? And I'm gonna I'm gonna hit Josh first because you know, new guy, he's got to be the one to suffer the most. So uh, <laughs> let only, us know about this uh, horror film we just saw. If only I came prepared. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think I'm about to uh, blow some minds. <clears throat> oh, okay. Let's see. <clears throat> if ever there was a film that could be said is ahead of its time, it's this one. From the a ASMR quality uh, whispering, which is now, of course, a popular thing, to the soundtrack that was ripped straight from Minecraft, it is... <laughs> Uh, the predecessor to many, many things that we take for granted as just part of pop culture today. But here's the thing. Not only did I mean those things in the best possible way, because if there's one thing I love about Minecraft, it's the music. <laughs> this movie was shot well. It had two visions going for it at the same time. I'm not sure which it was going for, ghost story or monster film, uh, depending on where it was in the movie. Um, the performances, I thought, were, and I say this unironically, they were great. In fact, I might have developed a, a little crush on the main character, but of course, Psycho is my thing. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Jessica, not a uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, this this movie could quite possibly be the best movie I've ever seen. No, no, let's not get silly. But is it the best movie I was ever forced to watch on this show? <laughs> Very well, could be. Oh come on, you. You were forced to watch last week's movie and you gave it a good rating. Yeah, yeah, and I'd like this one more. Oh, okay. Then Dawn of the Dead. Oh. Ooh. The plot chickens. All right. Okay, all right. Well, you you were right. 
mind blown. You know what? Okay. That's interesting that you, I saw reviews, right? I watched reviews afterwards of people reviewing and people were like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, I saw reviews of it and people were talking about it as this existential masterpiece. And I'm just like, huh? Like I'm starting to think in my eyes, but um, I didn't get that from this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not an animal expert, but well, that wasn't a mole. No, no. no was, yeah, what was, was that? Like a mouse? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that was as mole as the budget could afford. <laughs> yeah, we all looked at each other too. Like we were like, not a mole. It's got <laughs> no eyes. Yeah, moles do have eyes. They're just you know squinty. And that's the mouse. That actually kind of that kind of actually bugged me. I was like. Hey, well, maybe that was part of the the weirdness of her mind that she was seeing moles as mice. <laughs> right, I guess. Oh, the madness! What was that with her voice, though? Uh, Jessica's voice. She had a weird voice. Is that her? The actress's voice. She sounded like you know. Uh, her voice was kind of awkward. Weird. Was it weird to y'all? The way sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I. It was a. It was very clear that there were a few things they had to pick up. You know, later on. Um, the the one scene in particular that pops to mind is when they're uh, loading up to go to town and it's just like this random okay it's like does not match the scene at all. <laughs> some other just, actress come in can you just say okay so we can have this scene work all right no okay say okay no you should twenty dollars have a great day no the guy I feel bad for though is porn stash dude. Porn stash. Cause you know, he's thinking, you know, I'm a third wheel, it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be in the house, my friend. I, I will say that sound editing was not Uh-oh. actually I guess she won't. Possible. He's talking about his friend, his mm-hmm. friend and his wife is gonna be getting it in. I'm gonna just be in my room by myself. And then he sees this redhead chick, you know, a flower child, mm-hmm. and he's thinking. You know what? Hey, it's gonna be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, then she's all like, uh, "We gotta take it slow." And he's like, "Take it slow." <laughs> you know, you're. A, I thought it was all about free love. You're a deadbeat living in our house, right? <laughs> he's like, you know. And then, of course, she messed with the the husband first uh, over him. But I mean, I guess he got it in the end, literally. Yeah. Uh, well, so. I. I think this film is working on two things at once. It's the horror of mental illness, you know, because once again, mental illness is evil and bad, and that's, you know. And then there's the other horror of the house guest that just won't leave, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't get a hint, and then they invite her over, and she just never goes, that kind of house guest. So maybe that's the horror that we really have to look for in this film. Obviously, in that old picture too. That's yeah, like- that was obvious right from the start. And it's like, okay, so there's, if it's supposed to be playing, this is what's bothered me about this film. If it's supposed to be playing on her madness, then we should not be seeing things happening away from her. There should be, like, where she'd be paranoid that her husband wants to be with the girl. That's good. That would be great. Except for, don't have a scene later where they're doing it. Or don't make these things become real when she's not there. They have to be these things that she sort of sees 
or right. thinks she sees, and in her mind she plays it up, and it could be innocent things, but in her mental agitation, yeah, but, that's it. It but it's not that in this film because they show it when she's not around, and that's what bugged me the most about this film. It's like there's a kernel of a good idea, and then they just go, wait, no, it's actually vampires. Okay, mm -hmm. all right, well, then it, it doesn't matter whether she's mentally ill or not because it's really vampires. No, go ahead, Jim. Let's see if you got it. Can she speak? Yeah, I, I think there's a big delay. Yeah, huge. It's we like got three. her picture at least. Yeah, I know. Right? Is it three minute delay? Jen? Jen? Uh, because uh, I know she's come. Yeah. Wow. This is her movie too, which is, you know, I'd like her to actually speak and defend can't it. defend it on my own. <laughs> yeah, I think we're split down the middle on this screen here because. I seriously, I get what they were trying to go for, uh -huh. but I detested this film. I mean, I didn't hate it as much as I hated um, uh, uh, Casino Royale. I mean, Casino Royale was vile, disgusting piece Terrible. of basic thing. This film I did not like because it tried to be something and I didn't think it worked. I hated the main character. Jessica was so bland. I was calling her egg halfway through the thing. Because there was no like, okay, she's supposed to be crazy, but she was such a nothing character for most of this movie. I'm just sitting there, and she's just talking banally, and I want to smack her for just being so boring and dull as a character. I was like, why are any of these people with her? I, she was boring, boring, boring. She's the worst thing you could be as a main character, and that is dull. Oh, well, I, Jen, I bring you back. I got a defender, though. I mean, if you just got out of the insane asylum. True. You're going to try to act normal, and then maybe that's why she's so bland. There you go, Jen. Go ahead, Jen. Come on. Yes, yeah. you're here. Go, go. Before they go again. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. <laughs> Speak. Oh Speak. Whether there, I don't know whether it's just like a huge time and delay. She can't or hear us. I don't think she can. Let me. Uh... Oh. If she could see us, we could. Oh God, that's. We. Hear me. Yes. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. We can hear you. You're gone again. Vampire's Curse strikes again. All right, Kente, go ahead and you tell me you were going to defend the, the character. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'll say this uh, about this movie. I actually like I actually like uh, those kind of... I like the feel and the aura uh, um, that movie. Um, she says, can I Skype her? Uh, let's try this. Um... Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Technical uh, difficulties. We're like the Democratic, <laughs> what was it, debates yesterday? Didn't uh, NBC have a huge problem? Oh, I didn't even. Oh. Can you guys hear that ringing? I can hear the ringing. We can hear it. You know, this feels like the film. Okay. Let's try. 
So, uh, do we call her direct now? <laughs> uh, let's try this. Oh, she's calling me on Skype. So, how about them vampires? I know, right? This is. Do you want to stop recording and try it all over again? Over again? Oh. Uh, we're going to get it. Okay. We're going to get it. Dude. All right. So. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, hey, Jen. Uh, here you go. What's your phone number? We'll try to Skype her in. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, you know, this reminds me of our first show of this season. We're already disappeared for about a half an hour or so. I know, man. <laughs> That's all right. Seen- like, you guys are not good. Um, I'd no, say for a while. What, I, what I'll say is this about this movie is um, I like that 70s um, uh, she's going to catch up with. Um, I like those 70s like that aura, that feel to it. It has kind of this um, uh, exploit, not exploitation, but um, sort of grindhouse? Yeah. And yeah, I, I, it's sort of like a cheap film stock, kind of grainy. It's like almost uh, like a documentary look, right? And yeah. I like the looks and feel, mm-hmm. and, and those funny sound effects that they put in the yeah. movie. Oh yeah, you know, and all of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like that stuff, I actually do like. You know, yes. I like I like um, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and. It, it, and the creepy it, townsfolk thing is kind of a neat thing too, where they're standing around, and everyone's just kind of being weird around them. And I like that too. I mean, like I said, I don't hate this movie. I just didn't like it. Um, but yeah, like that stuff I liked. I liked the, the, the mood, the atmosphere. It's just that it didn't go anywhere. At least nowhere interesting. Well, it started where it ended and ended where it began. Mm-hmm. True. It did do that. So you kind of, uh, I guess, knew what where it was going. The mm-hmm. question was, how did we get there? Yeah, I, I could see it. It didn't feel like it was a flashback. It almost felt like it was just an echo of what she was thinking before she went to the place and after, as opposed to, hey, this is just recalling everything. I like That's the way I felt of it. It's sort of like, this is her mind, and it's just going to repeat this kind of stuff. Um, and maybe that's what she's doomed to forever be, just always going into these moments of madness and having recovery and then going back into them again. I mean, did she really kill her husband? Did she anything of this stuff happen? Or is it like, and that's the thing that could have been the way this film was if they hadn't shown things away from her point of view. So that in the end, you don't know if it's just all in her head and maybe none of it happened and all that. And that would make it a better film for me. That's um, what, what I thought was interesting because there were things that you know you, you questioned: is this real? Or is this not real? 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was also like a a secondary uh, scenario where um, the vampire thing was happening, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with the mental illness, it, it it really leaves you wondering what was real, what wasn't. Um, because something's going on, mm-hmm. but something else is going on too. Yeah, but I would, I think it would be a more disturbing and scary, uh, not well, in more of the horror field if you had no concrete idea that something was going on, where you could doubt, you could say maybe something was going on, maybe it wasn't, and maybe this is all in her head, and there's no definitive answer. I think would make it a far more disturbing and um, horrific film. But the second that you show, yeah, hey, there's vampires. She she may be crazy, but there are vampires. And then it's like, okay, now it kind of loses what kind of you know atmosphere you have. Then you go, okay, it's a vampire film, and she just happens to be a crazy person who's you know, and it's not a crazy person who no one believes who can see all this stuff happening. It's just she's a crazy person who's trying to deal with all this stuff happening. Well, maybe hey, maybe putting it that way it makes it a better film. She's a crazy person that has weird shit happening to her, and this is how she deals with it or tries to. Okay, maybe I'll give it a little bit more of a bump up for just for that. But I, I think it would have been far more effective if he had not known that this was and this was actually happening, and that she was just seeing things. Like, for example, all the bandages on all the villagers that everybody saw. It's like, okay, that means it's actually happening. Whereas if it were just a small thing, like maybe she's seeing a scar, nobody else would notice. Then it becomes something or is this real and that so the scar thing that they had where everyone had these scars all over them was fine but when you had everybody wearing bandages and the main characters going oh look at these guys all wearing bandages like they're in the civil war it's like okay that means that's real and it's and there's no reason why everybody has wounds unless you know they had some sort of fight that happened in the city where they were riot or something and we don't know what happened before they got there well i think i think we can deduce in the logic of the film that yeah they've all been bitten by this vampire chick and that's the problem they've had a fight club i doubt it though mind you that husband was such a oh when the guy slapped him on the head he didn't react. He just got back in his car. And I'm like, what? Really? That's that's your... And she's like, oh, okay. I'm with him. So let's go. I was like, oh, at least stand up for yourself a little. Just a little. Jen, are you with us? Can you hear me? <gasps> yes! I'm clear. Can you hear them? Yes, I can. All right. Good. Then please tell us about this film and your words now that we've okay. rambled in. <clears throat> okay. So... The, the, I mean, I saw this film a long time ago, probably. It, it, it's one of those films that, like I saw, probably far too young to even understand kind of what it was about. <clears throat> so there was that aspect to it was kind of psychologically scary. But as I got older and as I went back and revisited this movie, what I sort of walk away from it with is that it is a bit more of a, a wider analogy a wider well i don't know if it's an analogy but a wider metaphor for the 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 time for the period for the uh for the era and that it's it's sort of a it's like a descent that is everything questionably is this moral is it not moral am i doing the right thing am i not doing the right thing 
the, 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 the question piece, I think, underneath it is not whether Jessica is crazy. It's, it's, it's basically, it kind of comes down to what is happening and is what is happening morally right, wrong, someplace in between. The, the stuff that's the supernatural stuff is, it's a little bit more of the, there's this, this is the, the veneer by which we're supposed to see things through, but it's not technically, I don't think, just the, a story of the supernatural. It's more a question of the, the people that are in this film are behaving in a certain way. Why are they behaving in that way? And is, does that say something about not just who they are, but like what does their, what, how does their actions create the sense of what happens next? So just sort of, if I can break down a couple of things. Emily obviously has lived there for a very long time, right? A hundred years at least. And since Emily has been there for that long, she must have breezed in and out of what they call the Bishop estate, uh, the Bishop orchard, all of that, for quite some time. And the, the townspeople have all come under their spell, the Bishop's spell. And whether that means something that is vampiric, which I think is what they were sort of hedging at, or whether it means that there is some wider sort of cult thing going on. I don't think, I, I think that's supposed to be ambiguous. I don't think we're actually supposed to draw conclusions from that. But what I, we are supposed to... Go ahead, sorry. I'll let you finish, I'm sorry. All I was gonna say is what, what, I, what I think we are supposed to draw away or come away from this with is there is a there is a case to be made that if we aren't always questioning the things that we see and, and recognizing whether the things that we see are a part of our reality, not a part of our reality, uh, something real happening or something imagined happening, that we are failing, that, that that's our failing. And that, I, I saw this awesome deconstruction of Let's, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which it, it wasn't what I thought it was, right? Their deconstruction was a little bit more, it was, it was almost more uh, metaphor than even I would read into it. But what I found so interesting was that when they started pointing out what the director had done in all of these different shots, even I didn't catch some of this stuff. Like I didn't catch in the very beginning when they do the seance and the, she, Emily says, so there are no dead people here. But if you listen to what was happening before, it what it really seems like is maybe none of them are actually alive to begin with. Maybe this is all a part of Jessica's purgatory, right? So even though this kind of stuff is happening and it feels to us like this is real. That's why the ferryman wouldn't take her back across. She can't go back across because she's already dead. The, those kinds of things. But that just because she's dead doesn't mean that she's not still questioning the reality that's there. So I know that that's a lot to take in, but that's what I think makes this movie so interesting is that there is a lot to sort of decompress and deconstruct. Okay. I, the only thing I would say, uh, I don't think the cult-like thing works only because they do manifest scars and everyone seems to manifest scars, which, you know, are tied with like vampire uh, lore one way or another. So I, I think 
you know, these are all seem to be the town is the victim of this vampire. They all have the bandages and everything else. And they, they made it clear that this is a reality in this in this case, in this movie, that, you know, everybody has seen these bandages and scars, as I said before. So it's it's I I don't see it as being some sort of like I can't see the cult side of it, even though everyone's acting strange and everything. But it that's sort of the whole uh, thing that was running in a lot of 70s horror films of the the scary small town thing where, you know, you're the outsider in this this group and you get the paranoia going on and that. And, you know, some of it is because of some I mean, I can think of it from the late 60s and that where you can look at the, the violence going on in the south um, and the small towns you know, striking out at people coming in from outside and, you know, trying to disrupt their way of life and everything. And there's that kind of fear of that kind of thing. And, you know, look at that Texas Chainsaw Massacre for another one where you're going into the rural area where, you know, it's not safe for anyone from the outside. Um, and that I got that vibe from this film. Um, and I, I thought about the whole death, this, oh, she's dead kind of thing when, you know, they're riding around in the hearse and everything. And I thought, okay, that, you know, they crossed the river. And I said, okay, that, that could be, uh, you know. But the problem I find is that it doesn't seem to go to anywhere like, it's not that they have to re reveal this in the end. I'm not saying they should. But, okay, if she's in purgatory and everything, uh, what's the point of the ending where she's, killed her husband she's in purgatory because she killed duncan so this is just reliving the events uh and then it'll start all over again is that the idea yeah it, or something along those lines it it and again you know there's a lot of subjective material in this movie which sort of makes it very it feels very open-ended in in terms of of what is actually happening. And that is why I think to a lot of people, it is more um, it, why they they either like it or really don't like it. It's when you have so much subjective material and when there is so much to sort of make sense out of some people, I think just rightly so, choose not to make sense out of any of it because it does feel disconnected. But if you look at it all the way through, as a kind of uh, roadmap to why Jessica is where she is and doing what she's doing, it makes more sense that either either Jessica is not alive, or if she is alive, that she's already she has already been put under the vampire spell. And what we're seeing is the reconciliation, the rationale for why, or for not why for. Uh, what she's experiencing. In other words, she is absolutely uh, experiencing something that is more hypnotic. And, and this part of it is that's what we're seeing. The, she thinks she's crazy. Why does she think she's crazy? Because the vampire is telling her that this is how she can reconcile it in her own brain. You know, my only thing with this movie, though, is, I mean... If you have someone to break it down for you afterwards, then you go, oh, man, that's deep. But then, but just on pure entertainment value, um, it, you know, it was very slow moving, which I don't mind normally. But um, I don't know. It was a it was a it was kind of hard to really get into, um, you know, yeah. even though you can follow it and all of that stuff. It was, you know, it was it, it was a it was it was something. But. I have a question for everybody, though. 
what do you think Emily's greatest crime is? Um, is it biting people and turning them into vampires, or is it uh, or is it uh, her bad uh, singing and guitar playing? <laughs> uh, there's that. Uh, I don't, being so obvious. I don't know. I mean, she. That's the problem. Like, she's obvious through the whole film that she's not what she seems to be. And, and there's no point in this film where I thought, oh, she's just some innocent hippie that's living in the house. I'm looking at her and going, and I didn't see the trailer beforehand, which gives away everything in this film. Um, mm -hmm. But through the entire film, I thought, okay, there's something up with her. And it's obvious there's something up with her. And that kind of, this is like what I said, where I'm disappointed in this film, where it could have been something better. It could have taken her madness and said, is it madness? Is it really happening? Um, is this her perception of this this Emily person who could be completely innocent? And then, you know, Jessica is in her mind is making things worse. But it's not that because we know in this film because things happen outside of Jessica's view that show that all this is happening. So there, there's no surprise there. It's all happening. And Jessica's not crazy. She's just having some crazy thoughts during this whole episode. You know, you know, the best character was the friend. Because he's bringing the poison all over the apples. He was the only person that actually was working on the farm. And I know. Even when he was dead, he was still. He was working his butt off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she. I hope. I hope for the, the actress's sake that that was actual just water that was spraying out of the back of the thing when she was running through that. No, that was her. Like, that was that, that was, was actual DDT or something like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not, good. that's not good. Yeah, she she ran right into it. That's funny. Mm -hmm. I, I will definitely say that the, the that the actress that they got to play Jessica, the, I I don't really understand what the appeal is. I mean, it, one of my one of my uh, wishes is that if they could remake this movie, that they would make it with an actress who doesn't feel so. Uh, she feels annoyed. Yeah, bland. She's, yeah. Really She's nothing. But I, I, I can see where her husband would want to have an affair on her. Yeah. But, but, but on the other hand, it does play into the the kind of um, not. It, it's not about the mental illness. It's about something else. It's like it's about her constantly being on the edge of questioning everything she sees. In fact, in the very beginning, when they come into the house, when they see the person upstairs, her husband says. Yeah, no, don't worry. I saw it too. As yeah. if, like this is obviously a thing that has been happening for a really long time. Right. It, it sort of. I mean, in some ways, that kind of grating feeling is sort of what I feel like everybody around her must be experiencing pretty mm. consistently. But then it does become about the mental illness, doesn't it? Because now everyone's going to question, and she. I mean. What is interesting in this film, I have to give it credit uh, that other films or lesser films definitely don't do uh, when they deal with mental illnesses, that she is trying her best not to react just so people right. don't think she's crazy, which is actually, I, I think, is, a, is really a good choice and it's a, a far more interesting choice. The only thing that I was kind of, like I said, annoyed with is the fact that and, and maybe it could work in the movie's favor, because I thought about it afterwards. I did say this earlier, and you weren't here, but maybe it is a more interesting thing if you think about how does a person with mental illness deal with supernatural stuff that is, you know, not normal happening to her, that she has to question her own sanity, and then she also, also you know, try to be like, how do I react in this situation? Because part of me is saying, yeah. I should do this, and is it because I'm crazy, or is it because I'm sane, and this is really bad things happening? And it's like, okay, that's kind of interesting, but... 
I just because there is no big ambiguity in this film, it's pretty straightforward. This is, I mean, on, I mean, as far as what's happening in the film, not what the how the film presents it, is that yeah, the vampire is real, and that's right. that's the final thing that just ruins this thing for me. I, I just but, by making the vampire real, it's yeah. But you know, if that's the case, if if that's really the case, then Jessica is actually the most resilient of everybody because she's the last one to succumb. So uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that actually makes a very interesting case for yes. How does mental illness affect your, your your vision of the supernatural? Does it give you an edge? Does it not give you an edge? What does it actually do? And in this it movie- It makes you more paranoid about revealing the things that you see. Yeah, right. Well, if that's what they're- Well, also too though, she, she somehow, even though she was hearing Emily's voice somehow mm-hmm. in her head, Mm-hmm. I I don't think she was actually internalizing. Was that actually Emily, or was that hear her hearing Emily? As in, I know what you're thinking. I mean, there again, so much of this is sort of out there to be speculated on that it's hard to pin down exactly what's happening. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, uh, definitely the. Uh... The voice in her head could be just the voices in her head and that she's projecting Emily's voice onto those things. And that, you know, that's not a definite yes or no answer in this film, which is fine. Because that's the kind of things I wanted throughout the rest of the film. Like when she goes to say goodbye to him in the car, you know, Emily says goodbye and she leans in to, to probably kiss him and she sees that. It would be played better if we didn't know that he was hitting on her at some point and that it would be all in her perception it, that oh he's definitely being you know something's going on something's yes, going right. on so everything that she sees can have a different meaning than what the reality is which is would be i like i said a far more interesting film yes, because right. there could be like then we don't know and it, i think that's better I, I i hear what you're saying but i also sort of think that that in and remember this is very uh well genre isn't the right word this is very uh it, there is a timestamp on this, and it—I mm-hmm. mean—it feels incredibly '70s in every way, shape, or form. Yeah. And there was sort of a—I uh, don't know what—I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, other than to say that that not everything in the '70s was road mapped out as carefully as I think we have gotten with our storytelling. Our storytelling is so much more precise now. And it's both a credit to the movie and also a difficult thing for us now in 2019 to look back on it and say, you know, this would make so much more sense if we did this, this, and this. I, I sort of feel like in some ways that Let's Scare Jessica t- to Death was a little bit like what art house films try to do sometimes, and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail at being out of the box with their storytelling. And I can't say with certainty, I know why, I mean, I've read so many reviews about this and and people in particular, you know, who like say they love it or say they hate it. I, I understand why people are confused by what's happening, but I also think that it's, it, that part of that is our experience where we are. And whether you were, whether you lived in the seventies or didn't live in the seventies, 
we're not experiencing our the we're not experiencing anything the same way now as it was then and i do feel like there is a little bit of that kind of going on because there were a bunch of films not exactly like this but around that kind of thematic function back in the 70s as well i, I somebody else brought that up actually to me Josh, you're the other person that's defended this film. Or yes. It, so, so what have you to add to that? On, like on your feelings on, on what you saw and everything? Well, um, I think a lot of interesting points have been made over the last few minutes, especially when it comes to deciphering whether or not uh, mental illness is a good weapon against uh, supernatural phenomenon. Um, I didn't even think about it that way at the time. And like I said, I watched it twice today. And uh, yeah, I, I'd say that it, it worked out very effectively because she did not um, know whether or not uh, everything that was happening was going on inside of her head. So, you know, she had to keep quiet about that. There was a, a scene in particular right before the husband uh, decided to be, you know, um, what, what's a good word? Uh, intimate with the vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, where he said, yeah, maybe we should get out of here. And, you know, you can go see your old doctor because, honey, you're going fruity. And, yeah. and she said... <laughs> Sleep on the couch. <laughs> and uh, that goes to what you said earlier about his whole attitude towards everything, where whenever there's some sort of confrontation, he's just as like the the beta and everything. Yeah. I, um, I didn't yeah. like it. He got slapped on the head and didn't do a damn thing. He crawled into his car and waited for his wife to come out. In the infamous chicken house scene, Yes. Um, in the movie The Bird Box, they use that same concept of mental illness uh, shielding you from... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hmm. <laughs> yeah, but not very cleverly. It just makes it, oh, you're crazy already, so this just makes you uh, not as crazy, crazy or just mean crazy. Uh, but yeah, not a, not a very, very enlightened view of mental illness. Like I'd say, I'll give this film credit. Its view of mental illness is not, it's not a cheap plot device, which no. it could have been. So, you know, I mean, uh, give credit where it's due. I mean, and especially from the seventies when, you know, you had movies like Psycho and what have you, um, you know, where uh, they, mental illness is seen. Yeah, it's crazy. Birth. Everyone now, and it's become the thing. Oh, that guy's schizophrenic, so he's going to be a murderer or whatever, what that, you know, whatever that means in, in people's it's, minds. It, it's, a little, it's a little more like, I know this is a ridiculous, it's, the, the parallel is not the same, but it is a little bit like, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Mimic, where there's mm-hmm. a kid who basically deciphers this crazy code, and the code is, you know, there's these supernatural beings and whatever. Well, the 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 idea, I think, is that is that uh, mental illness has become really tropey, in especially in horror movies. Oh, yeah. And let's scare Jessica to death doesn't sort of adhere to that trope factor no, as much as it sort of just explores it in a in a. It's not gentle, but it's definitely with a much more open mind about yeah. it. And 
Also, I feel like it gives a little bit more credit to the person who's experiencing whatever they're experiencing because it's not jumping to the conclusion that well haha you're crazy and 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 we the audience are not so we're going to we're going to show you the audience everything that's not real and just make the person who's seeing or possibly not seeing anything that we're going to make their vision seem like they're ridiculous and in mm-hmm. this way, it's sort of, it, it's almost like they handle it with slightly uh, more kid gloves. And I like that. I, I really did like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I give it credit for that. And I, it could have gone a, a totally different way. It could have gone the, the cheap exploitation way of dealing with it. I mean, we don't know what her illness was. Um, and they don't go into it. They just say she was ill. Uh, would have been back then nervous breakdown, which could have been a number of any, you know, any number of uh, issues that would have happened. Um, and so, you know, and that I give the film credit for that because it doesn't come, it's not uh, a crutch that lays its thing on. It actually is part of the story in a way that is not exploitive. It, it actually works. Um, like um, the voice hears in her head, you know, kind of like, okay, maybe she's schizophrenic and she's hearing these voices and she's not dealing like, oh, oh, they, these are real. She's, Part of her is trying to like refuse to believe these things, but there's just nagging there. Like you don't see her reacting or screaming out at the voices or anything like that. She's sort of emotionally reacting, but she's not yeah, talking back to the voices. She's not doing the crazy stuff you see in films. She's right. just she's hearing the voices and it's sort of like she's trying to deal with focusing on what she's doing while the voices are happening to her. And you'd think, okay, that's a little more of a Kente, you're not a voice in my head. <laughs> It also, you know, I haven't seen very many movies um, recently or historically that do that kind of voiceover successfully because usually that voiceover narrative is, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's always, they beat you over the head with it. And I hate that. Yeah, actually, I didn't, you know, in the beginning of the film, I didn't think it worked. As it went on, and you start hearing, and it, when you realize it's different voices in her head, and not her actually yeah. monologuing, then it works. The opening though didn't, because it was like, okay, we're gonna cute with the voiceover thing and say something. Well, I I really do believe that the film had a very good look to it, uh, mm-hmm. and, it and it had a very good, um, very good um, atmosphere. In that regard, I really think the director, John Hancock, really put his signature on this. Definitely. Also, also. <laughs> you, you, you let that go by, didn't you? You were that. You're a bastard. Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Hey, that was a good one. And even Canadian got that joke. There's a, um, there's a whole online community at Let's Scare Jessica. And it's, I mean, it's actually, it's so interesting. The, the site looks like it came out of like 1990, but it's so funny that this people still, in fact, I just heard this thing the other day about a little group that gets together and they meet up in all these different locations, show the movie and talk about it. I mean, it's like, Oh, if sorry. that's not a cult film, I don't know what is. Oh, wait a minute. This is this is a website. I sit here and I can't believe that it happened. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and yet I have to believe it. Uh, me too. Dreams or nightmares. Enter if you dare. 
Oh wow! I gotta. We gotta make oh, for um, burnt offerings. Uh, are you down? Yeah, <laughs> burnt offerings. Oh, my opening page would just be the guy being crushed by the being crushed by the volume. Oh, the actual soundtrack? Sorry, so, that was made with okay, angel fire. Question. You say? Here's a question. Yeah, I think so. It's angel fire. Yeah. Okay, the title of the film. This is the thing that bugged me through the whole thing. Yeah. Let's scare Jessica to death. Sounds like a group of people actively out right. to scare someone. I might watch a film and say, "Let's call." Oh, let's go. Who is trying to scare Jessica to death? Oh, no. Why are they trying to scare Jessica to death? None of those things are in this film. Nobody is trying to scare Jessica to death. They're just trying to make her a part of their little vampire. Is this what the director says? I'm going to scare Jessica to death. And okay. I, can, I, like, can I interject? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Because I do have some experience with this. Okay. Um, as some of you know, I am um, a writer as well as a supreme podcast god. Um, and and a few years ago, I was working um, with a group of people that I'm proud to call friends, and they, um, well, my this buddy of mine wanted to uh, do a short film on uh, a breakup that he had just uh, gone through, and he called the film horror. Um, you know. Good title for a breakup movie, right? A little on the nose, but okay. Um, but then uh, uh, because the actress uh, was an old friend of his and he, he just wanted something uh, something else to shoot with her. Uh, just something so they could work together again. Uh, he, he said that uh, that's what he wanted to do. So I wrote a little something to make it happen, except... During horror, I liked how she was able to, the emotion she was able to draw um, during her scenes. And because I couldn't or maybe wouldn't think of a better title, I went with the, the, the premise for writing the thing, which in the end turned out to be um, uh, a woman who's having sex with a boyfriend and during uh, a little bit of kink action, he gets strangled to death and she's dealing with that, um, you know, emotionally survivor's in the immediate game. moment. Um, Sexual survivor's guilt. And she starts hallucinating. He talks to her, that kind of thing. Um, but the title was Make Her Cry. Because that's what I wanted to do. Ah, so uh, I'm okay. thinking maybe uh, whoever came up with the titles, like he wanted to scare up the character and want to scare her. And this is coming from more of a, a writer director uh, standpoint. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, the title, as far as the plot goes, makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. But if you're writing this and you're, you know, thinking about what your goal is, Let's scare Jessica to death. That's apparently what he was trying to do as the writer, not as a um, conspiratorial uh, group of people 
teaming up to make the character feel bad. But see, it's very misleading. See, I would have taken that title and put it on a Vincent Price film where he's trying to get the money out of this one woman who's got a weak heart. And all through the whole movie, he's just trying to scare her to death. <laughs> That's what that title, see, you know, screams to me. Is that it's it's and definitely Vincent Price has to be in it, you know. Well, let's dig him up. <laughs> I meant back then. No. Oh, okay. George Lucas, uh, he was going to try to uh, bring actors back from the dead. So, Ooh, creepy. I mean, not literally, but I mean, oh, I thought you were like necromancing, you know, digitally. That yeah. would, I wonder how like Humphrey Bogart would look good, right? His corpse. Oh, they did use him. Yeah. They, they've digitally used a bunch of actors in, in commercials and everything. And okay. now people are like making sure that their contracts say they cannot be used for commercial use. The good so thing is that none of you guys' contracts say that I can't use you guys after you guys have passed on. So <laughs> nobody wants to use me now. <laughs> I should worry about when I'm dead. Right. Wait a minute. Were, there were contracts? Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You signed it. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So. Uh, before we, you know, get to the the, the end of this thing, yes. um, let's talk about the resolution. Um, you know that that um, the last, I guess it was what ten minutes of the film where exactly. the shit hits the fan. Uh, yes. I love the scene where he, she gets in the uh, car with the trucker and goes to the town, and then you know, and then she runs all the way back to town and just passes out. Like I, I love that, but um, so. What do you guys think about like the way that it the, the resolution? I mean, I kind of like how I do like how it ended in this regard, like how um, you know how the townspeople like see her, and then you know she rose, and they just kind of you know you know like I, I do kind of like that. That was pretty cool. Uh, that was a good. I thought that was a pretty good ending. What do you guys think? Uh, Josh, go first, and then we'll do okay. Um, well, I'm not sure the word resolution uh, fits, <laughs> but the ending slash beginning uh, kind of falls into the whole idea that um, we were talking about earlier as it being a uh, Groundhog Day scenario where it's just gonna turn around and start all over again because that's you know, why could be why we started at the end. Yep. But um, <clears throat> the 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 unsettling part to me was the whole uh, murder in the boat. Mm -hmm. She's what out in the water, and the hand shoots out from the water, and it's supposed to be her husband trying to get on the boat. It's like. Do people do that? Or maybe you wait five minutes to see if she comes back in. Maybe a call out if you're on the shore. What, what was he doing in the water? For him to be murdered. Well, that could be where the title came in. Maybe he's the schizophrenic one and he has multiple personalities. And he's like, let's do this. Let us scare her to death in one scene at the very end of the movie. Um, but yeah, there it is right there. She's, she's rowing out, uh, she's not working really hard though. Lovely nightgown for it. Um, no, no, actually, can I just interject something? Sure. Actually, she is 
going anywhere. And that is one of the, that's one of the shots that is maybe the best of the whole film. She is rowing and not going anywhere. Why? Because she can't leave. She isn't actually where she thinks she is. She's never going to go any place in the water. She can't. For the same reason the ferryman isn't going to take her back. So that, that, that makes sense to me because uh, him being there like that makes no sense. But if she's not actually there herself, I get it. Uh, him not reacting to getting stabbed says something too, which says he ain't there. Uh, you know, I, because I mean, I'm sorry, the first thing going into him, all you see is his hand kind of going, Ugh. it's like, I think he'd react a little bit stronger than that. But hey, maybe he, he might say, ouch, uh, at some point. You know, <laughs> say, what the hell are you doing? Try to tip the boat over, push away from her. Well, um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I, I understand people are attributing things to this film. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they really match. Because maybe it's one of those things they just did what they did. And then after all these years go by, they're like, oh, I get it. They're dead and all of this stuff. And we're attributing things that are not there. I, I give an example using, I'm going to do like Joshua. I did a movie and um, I did this movie and I put it out there. And people were attributing things that was totally not in my head. And mm -hmm. some of them were so awesome that I just said to, you know, yeah. when I made it with, like, we're going to start saying that's what I was thinking. Like, the truth is, I wasn't thinking none of those things. I, it was very just basic. But people were making all these trippy things with the movie represented. And it really, honestly, it really did. Um, it was just, you know, but people, I like what people were saying because it sounded way better than what I was coming up with. So so I don't know if, if that's really what it is or is it that we're attributing things to this that like are it's given enough of a blank slate that you can put anything you want into it. And that that's a possibility too. Because right. he because that's the thing that does happen with a lot of art where the artist has one intention, they put it out there and people interpret whatever they want from it afterwards. And there's always a case of the artist going, that's not what I meant and it's it, this is the way it has to be. And the fact is anything that goes out there is to each individual what they interpret it to be. And mm -hmm. if you have a, something like this that's got an, ambiguity in it, it's going to lead people to come up with their own conclusions. Could the fairman have been you know, saying, oh, you can't leave because you can never leave? Or is he saying, you can't leave because you know, the vampire wants you and I'm one of her minions in the classic vampire sense, you know, kind of like your Renfuse and all that. It could or be maybe he's retiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can't go this way because the ferry's broken. <laughs> but she's crazy, so she didn't know that. She thought he meant something else. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it, it, I think this is the case for this film, and this, you know, you can you can take it either way. Where it's ambiguous enough, there's enough odd things that don't have explanations, which you don't get a lot in films nowadays. Nowadays, everybody explains everything so that you know exactly what you're seeing. There's no ambiguity uh, for a lot of you know, mainstream films. But when you do have a little bit, yeah, people will read into things and see things they, you know, and go, oh, wait a minute, maybe this means this and maybe this. And then they could, what we do with any argument in some cases is we take what we have now got as our conclusion and we go and make all the pieces throughout the film fit to that conclusion. 
oh, this means this now, and oh, that he's riding the hearse. Why? Because of this. Or you saw the hearse and you thought, okay, death, so she has to be dead, and then you go through the whole thing. Uh, and it, and it's not wrong, and that's the thing. I mean, that's a beautiful thing with films like this, is that you can do that, and you're not wrong, even if the filmmaker didn't intend it. Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, right. Bruce Willis. Unless you're completely, completely off base and you think this is about an alien invasion from the planet Zontar and everything, then you know, okay, you're really stretching. I could defend that. You could, but you're <laughs> wrong. Well, the, girl, the girls in Zontar are very attractive. So. They are. They are. All right, so let's do our scores. I'll go first. Um, all right. Um, all right. Uh, story, I gave it a four. Um, I think that, um, you know, I mean, I, we've seen these kind of stories before. Uh, maybe, I don't know, I, maybe I have to look at the films that came out in uh, in pre-'70s to see maybe maybe this was beyond the curve or ahead of the curve. I don't know. Uh, but as far as um, how much I enjoyed it, I, I would say it was about a four. Uh, the acting was a four. And I think I was being pretty nice because I don't think anyone really stood out necessarily. Uh, maybe the a pawn shop guy, he was pretty good. <laughs> the pawn shop guy was pretty dope. Uh, three, uh, score and sound design. Um, I gave it a four as well. Um like, I mean, maybe I should have, maybe I should have gave it like maybe a six. I'm thinking, um, because even though it was this wonky, funky sound, you know, it, it kind of made me laugh more than it. It, uh, you know, I think I'm gonna I, I go up to a six with that one. Um, it wasn't supposed to make you laugh. Yeah, well, I know, right? I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, you know, and it's it's pretty. Uh, the music is pretty um, interesting in that 70s weird uh, vibe. Um, now, number four, uh, production quality, overall look. I gave it a six because I really did enjoy the um, the sleepy town. I love those kind of stories about the sleepy town and that the people come and move in and there's not all that, that um, you know, uh, the town is not necessarily what you think it is and all of that. And it did have good atmosphere and stuff like that. So um, overall entertainment value, I gave it a five. Um, just because it, it was kind of hard to get through and to watch. I didn't like love it. Um, I didn't hate it though. But um, so I guess it was down the middle. Like, um, I don't know if I'd watch it like again, but um, so I gave it a 25. All right, so uh, Josh, I guess you would be next. All right, this is going to be interesting because, uh, wow, you uh, you kind of kicked it in the nuts there. Really? Okay. I thought he was being generous, but okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. so for, for my scores, uh, story, I, I gave it an eight. Oh, wow. Because I enjoyed the look at... Uh, mental illness in in the middle of a supernatural uh, problem, and uh, actually, I my score for story was a little bit lower until we uh, we broke it down here, and I, I raised it on the spot because there were things that I missed and thought, you know what, that's actually pretty awesome that uh, the you know it, it can be interpreted in so many different ways. 
So I, I give it credit for that. So I'm going to go with an eight. Mm. Um, acting. I thought the the toned down nature of some of the performances were uh, perfect for the uh, the tone of the the film as well as the uh, the atmosphere of where they were filming. And to me, uh, Jessica was fantastic uh, mm-hmm. because it was very subdued instead of over the top where uh, a lot of other people might have gone, especially with the voices and and things like that. Just the fact that she's trying to hide her true feelings. Um, like the one of the scenes that really sold me was we mentioned it earlier when her husband's like, I see it too. And she was like, Oh, thank God. You know, where that instant relief um, and joy was like, I'm not going nuts. This is a good thing. I, I enjoyed that. So I give the acting an eight oh, wow. uh, score and sound design. I gave a seven because uh, I, I'll admit it's mostly because of the score. Like I said, it, it, reminds me very much of a Minecraft <laughs> atmosphere where it's just cool. It, it's it's soothing. It's it's there. And the, the score wasn't there to uh, overtake a scene. And, and it was very ambient. And once again, I thought it fit the tone of the movie as well as the atmosphere of uh, the location. Production quality. Uh, you know what? One of the first things I thought about when uh, I was watching this movie was, hey, these are these are some pretty awesomely framed shots. Someone knows what they're doing with the camera. And I saw all of these locations they were in. And, and one of the scenes, especially with um, Jessica standing on the shore, we saw it on their website. And um, vampire girls walking up out of the water. And, you know, you get that pullback with uh, Jessica and I was like okay I dig it um, this was this was shot well so uh, I gave it a 7 and overall uh, while I did enjoy it while I found a lot of things I liked about it there were still some things that left me wanting uh, I don't know a different choice made here and there. So uh, I gave it a seven overall. Wow. Wow. That's one of the top scores uh, of all the movies. 37. Okay. All right. Jen. All right. Well, <clears throat> y'all know that I love this movie. Uh, obviously, I chose it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, Comes um, across the board. Yeah, right. Well, and before I say that, I have to say that uh, Movies to Make the Meal this week is uh, it's Cookies in a Graveyard. And wait, wait, not I, yet, not yet, not yet. Oh. Because I need time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, I didn't actually say that. It's actually something else. Okay. Okay, so story. Story, I gave uh, this movie an eight. I really love this story. I love it for lots of different reasons. It's multidimensional. There's tons of different ways to interpret it. And I find the complete and total lack of holding your hand to tell narrative a really fun experience. So I really liked it a lot. I, I also, like Josh, really liked the idea of this, I, the, the sort of underlying idea of how does uh, mental illness affect 
either being uh, seen by the supernatural or seeing the supernatural and what is that effect overall or is it even an effect? Um, so I really liked it. Acting, I gave uh, a seven. I, I know that's high. And I didn't like Jessica as like, I wish that they would have cast somebody else. But for what she had, I feel like she made a really good effort at being that person. That being that is Jessica, I feel like was very well encapsulated. And so uh, that, that there was that. And then I loved Emily. Emily, even though I think her character had some flat affect at times, and yes, she wasn't all that great of a singer, um, in terms of just being the understated creep person, she did a really good job. And also, let's give it up for the townspeople who were just like every other pack of rednecks ever. Just totally loved them. Uh, score, I gave a six. So there were some production value issues, I feel like, with the sound editing, but the score was actually really kind of cool. I really liked um, some of the places that they chose to put music, and then the clear absence of anything made it even starker as an experience. So I, I give the movie a bit of credit for that. Overall production, like Josh said, couldn't agree more. When you look at this movie, if you look at even individual frames, they do an amazing job with not just thematically framing um, the, the content, but also the way that the camera tracks in certain ways, the way that you are pulling back when Jessica is running toward you. The the scenes in the orchard are just, that those were really scary to me. Um, there were a lot of really good and excellent production pieces that went along with this. So I gave it a seven. Overall, I gave this movie an eight. I absolutely would watch it again. I do, I was so excited when it was on Shudder. It's now gone off of Shudder, but it was amazing while it was there. And there was all this resurgence of people talking about it. So I was super excited. Um, so yep, overall I gave it an eight. All right, so 36. All right, so it's on you, Kenya. Yeah, well, I know what the scores would be if this was the film I wanted it to be, but it wasn't, so I'm going to go by what I saw. Uh, Story-wise, it's a six. Um, it has some interesting moments in it, but generally it's a vampire story and a woman with mental illness coming to a creepy small town, and none of these things kind of went together perfectly or not perfectly but as well as i'd like them to um it was too much showing you exactly that everything you were seeing was happening uh the idea that uh, the stranger in the house is there's something wrong with her you could tell right away so that kind of dragged that down acting five i i low-key performances i get where they're supposed to be but they were really low-key performances uh, the townspeople were basically, thank God they didn't have lines, because you could tell these guys are the kind of guys who, if they had, many of them had lines, would not have come across as, uh, well, as stiff as they already do. Score and sound design. Um, I like the whispering sound effects and everything, the, the, the voice in their head and that kind of stuff. I'm going to dissent, though. I did not like the music at all. I wish the movie didn't have the music at all. I think it would have been more effective, because, uh, and so I'm giving it a six. Um, only because there are certain things I liked about it, but that was definitely, the, the music was definitely something I did not like or care for. Um, and that leads me to production quality. 
I like the look of this film. I thought it was uh, well shot. I liked the grainy kind of documentary look. And this is why I thought if they didn't have the music, it would be even more effective. Because like you said, the scenes where they didn't have the music were really effective, but the scenes with the music took it away from me. Uh, it really did, because I didn't think the music worked for it. Um, so I'm giving the production uh, quality seven on that. I did like it. Overall entertainment value, though, I'm giving it a four. I didn't like this film. I, I, I know what people are saying and what this thing could have been, and those cells sound interesting, but that's not the film I saw. I did not see that film that you people are describing, you know, and unfortunately, I, the film I saw, I was not entertained. I kind of, I was bored for most of it and, and going, okay, I can see where this is going. And okay. So that's where I'm at with this one. All right. So it's on you, Jim. Tell us about those cookies. You call them? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, it wasn't going to be cookies, but now it's back to be cookies because, yeah, now it's my turn. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, in, everybody knows in this movie, if you've seen it, that Jessica has a particular in, uh, affinity for doing something called, uh, what do they call that? I just had a name for it and I totally forgot it, but it, basically it's when you do a rubbing on a gravestone. There is a very specific name for it and I totally forgot what it is, but apparently it's it, apparently etching. it's a it's, uh, etching etching yeah etching yeah uh so i made uh a kind of a classic which is uh, a graveyard with oreo cookies chocolate pudding and you use nilla wafers and then you make little gravestones and you stick them in your graveyard and you can add all other kinds of stuff in it but we got really creative um i'll post up the pictures of our creations i used a fairly stock image for it but we made this ourselves and man i have some serious artists in my family they made some amazing gravestones so it was quite spectacular so that's what we have for let's scare jessica to death the Potential graveyard. Quick question: What did you use for the mice slash moles? Uh, well, I suppose if you really wanted to go that far, you could use gummies, mm -hmm. and they would probably work. Cool. Gummies. Gummy mice moles. Well, if they if they're covered with chocolate pudding, you'd never know the difference. So if you bite into it, and also, how many of us have actually tasted a mole? I mean, they oh. could taste like gummies. Who knows? They don't. Hey. They don't. <laughs> I love moles. They, they're like chicken. Oh. chicken. I I would not suggest putting chicken in your graveyard. It would not taste very good. I I have a feeling that you really know that. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not speaking out of experience. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. Have you finished your tabulation, sir? I have, oh, sir. I'm excited. And um, so let me let me uh, do it. Okay, so our leaderboard at number seven, we have Casino Royale, which got a 40, which is a 16 on the cheese room meter. Rollerball got a 98, which is a 39. That's at the sixth spot on the cheese reading. Uh, the car which got 102, which is a 40% on the cheese uh, rating. <laughs> Number four, The Towering Inferno, uh, 104, uh, which is a 52 on the cheese rating. 
Number three, Body Double. So Body Double is now bumped out. Uh, that got a 123, which is a 61 on the cheese reading. And we have a new number two, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Got 127, which is a 63 cheese rating. It is only second to the Dawn of the Dead. So uh, I know that you must feel really good about that. Uh, um, I I really didn't think that this was going to get such a high score. So. This is a very polarizing film. It's, we were scoring yeah. right down the middle, both sides. I mean, they, this had high ratings and low ratings. Not even, I wouldn't even say they're low ratings because I didn't give it like, you know, I mean, the, the one four, but if you look at the other ones, like five, six, and sevens are decent ratings. Yeah, I mean, uh, I probably gave it the worst score um, out of uh, out of everybody. Oh, well, not even For probably sure. I did. Um, but uh, even King Penguin uh, gave it a that's a good score, twenty nine. So I mean, uh, I didn't hate this film. I just didn't like it. Yeah. So um, so that's really good. That's a that's very good. Uh, it, your movie did good. Uh, congratulations! It's number two, so it has a chance. If it stays, <laughs> if it stays in this number two slot, it has a chance to be the uh, final two. So we'll, it's no burnt we'll, offerings. Yes, it's, it's definitely no burnt offerings. Which I know Josh is like burnt offerings. Oh, you, you'll love that one. One day we're gonna have to make you watch that. Oh, don't. Uh, no, no. So, uh, all right. So let's do this. Let's talk about the movie next week. Um, and this is my my film, and. Uh, we already pre-selected the films, but don't worry. Season two, you will be getting uh, your season films. In there. Yes. See, what did I say? Season two? Season, yeah. I'm sorry. Season four. We're going you, back in time. We're just yeah, we're done with this season. But Josh, you will get your picks as well. Okay, so let's talk about this movie. The movie is called The Dead Zone. Uh, the Dead Zone. Uh when Johnny Smith, played by Christopher Walken, awakens from a coma uh, caused by a car accident, he finds that years have passed and now he has psychic abilities. Heartbroken that his girlfriend, played by Brooke Adams, has moved on with her life, Johnny also must contend with uh, his unsettling powers, which allows him to see a person's future with a mere touch. After shaking the hand of a uh, aspiring uh, politician Greg Stilson, played by Martin Sheen, Johnny sees the danger presented by the candidate's rise and resolves to kill him. Released on October 21st, 1983, directed by the great David, David Cronenberg, and also adapted from a Stephen King novel. Uh, and uh, I'm very, I haven't seen this in a while, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I remember really liking this film. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh there's an interesting story about about uh the dead zone uh, i probably should save it for next week save it for next uh, week but i i'm gonna say it real quick okay uh, when i was a young kid i uh you know i didn't want to read right i didn't want to read books and i there was this guy who was a smart genius and but he was crazy and he would always tell me you got to read you got to read and he would always tell me about these all these big books you know that i should read and then he realized that, okay, let me find out a topic he likes me that I like and that um, maybe I'll get me to read. And I loved horror films, right, as a kid. So she, he was like, um, okay, 
you know, some of your horror films were based on books. And so get, you know, get a book of a movie you like. And then the only really author I knew was like Stephen King, you know? Mm-hmm. So when we went to the library together, cause he was trying to get me to become a reader. Right. And I was very young. And th- so I just went to the Stephen King section and I looked through, I was looking for like uh, Cujo and, and uh, Christine and all those books. I, they were checked out. And then I found this book called the dead zone and I read it the inside and I'm like, it sounds interesting. I took it home. And then, um, I, you know, I, I really didn't read it at first. And then he was like, read the book, read the book. And I finally started reading it. And I kept, it was like this page turner. It's a great book. And that was the book that got me to become a reader. After that, I became like this voracious reader. So the dead zone, it's a great one. Then I found out there was a movie. I didn't even know the movie exists. So then I remember I found the movie. It was hard to find at the time. And then start watched the movie, loved the movie. Then there was a great TV series as well, um, based on the same material. So yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to rewatch this movie. I might do it tonight. Who knows? <laughs> so uh enough of that stuff. I see hey Danny in the chat. Um tomorrow next week though, it, you may not know this, but next week. King, uh, here in the America. Yes, you have your heart. I want to do a show next week, but um, what's another day we can do instead, instead of the fourth oh. that we can all agree on? Oh, I'm good for any day, to be honest. Uh, My long Wednesday? Week is Wednesday okay? Wednesday? Jeez, uh, that's my gaming day. Oh, uh, I'm about to say Thursday. What about Friday? Jen, are you okay with Friday? Oh, well, you do something on Friday, right, uh, Josh? Uh, yes. So, yes, I do. Tuesday? Anybody up for Tuesday? Tuesday, I can do. What about you, Jen? Um, <clears throat> Tuesday, yeah, yeah. All right. And Josh, you okay with Tuesday? And technically, I'm out of town to the 11th, but I could take my laptop with me. Okay. We'll do it on Tuesday. Tuesday right. it is. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, Josh, how can we get you on social media? Well, uh, you can find me on the old Twitters at uh, Skitcomic, S-K-I-T-C-O-M-I-C. And if you feel like gaming anywhere, and I mean like anywhere, uh, the name's the same. So game with me. Uh, look at me up on Letterboxd. Find out what I think of movies. Things like that. Skit comic. It's a household name. <laughs> what about you, Jen? How can we get you in social media and all that goodness? You can find me on Twitter at followingbliss1. And you can find me on the web at moviesmakethemeal.com and criticallaughs.com. All right. And you can get me at kentef on Twitter and Kente Ferguson on Instagram. Um, we'll be back with an all-new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show Monday. And King, how can we get you? Uh, you can get me at kingpenguin at gmail.com. It's kingpenguin with a V instead of a U. Uh, or you can uh, catch up my uh, all the garbage that I put out on YouTube under uh, Professor Psycho's uh, movie Madhouse. So there's those plus uh, the Professor Psycho's moviemadhouse.com where you can also find other nonsense that I've done. 
All right. I guess we have a great weekend, everybody. You too.